So we're in this series, Dangerous Opportunities, right? And uh, today I'm going to push in on the idea that we've got to stand for an opportunity. Everybody says standing for the opportunity. And um, the series, this title, Dangerous Opportunities, we kind of pulled this. So the Chinese concept for crisis is made up of two words represented by two words. The Chinese concept of crisis, two words, danger and opportunity. Everybody say dangerous opportunities. See, so when we manage crisis by following the example of Jesus Christ, then we're able to take obstacles, disasters, very unfavorable circumstances, and we're able to shift them to be moments to live into the will of God, to live into our destiny that God's created us for. And there's a key verse out of 1 Corinthians that we read last week, and I'll give it to you again. It's in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, and Paul, the apostle Paul, he's talking about where he's going to go next on these missionary journeys. And he's in one place, he's getting ready to go to another place. And he says this, he says, for a great and effective door has opened to me. How many like great and effective doors, right? That word effective means active, operative, and powerful. A great, effective, operative, powerful door has opened up to me. How many like those kind of things? But then the rest of the verse says, and there are many adversaries. Let me get it right. And there are many adversaries. I got it right. Good. Everybody say adversaries. Now that word, (laughs) that word means to be contrary to, to lie opposite, to oppose. How many like that in your life? (laughs) No. We like great and effective, operative, powerful doors of opportunity. Send me, God, I'm ready to run through that door, right? But oftentimes, those wide, effective, operative, powerful doors of opportunity come with many adversaries, circumstances, and people who are opposed, lying in opposition to us, to the calling of God that's on our lives. And so this series is going to push in on this idea that no matter what door of opportunity we have, there's always going to be obstacles that we have to go through to step into the opportunity. So July 4th, has anybody got July 4th plans, going to watch some fireworks? How many, how many are going to set off some fireworks? My whole neighborhood is setting them off already, yes. Who else has those neighbors that you're like, seriously, it's a week ahead of time. You can't be setting them off. And then it's like the whole month after. I'm like, really? It was the worst when we had a dog and the dog howled at the fireworks. (laughs) But America has been called the land of opportunity, hasn't it? But it could just as easily be called the land of great obstacles. Because before we existed... Before we had an Independence Day to celebrate, there were some people who had a vision of a free nation that they were willing to look beyond the obstacles to the opportunity of creating something new, creating a nation where they could worship God however they chose, creating a nation where they could speak up and speak out and and not be pushed down by the government, creating a nation where they could 
build a life and start businesses and do all that they that God put in their heart to do. But it did not come without obstacles. There were 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence. 56 men who said, you know what, I see the opportunity and I'm willing to go after it regardless of the obstacles. Of those 56, what, what kind of obstacles did they encounter? Two of them were captured, actually five. Five were captured and tortured because they signed that Declaration of Independence. 12 of them had their homes ransacked and burned to the ground. Two of them lost their sons fighting in the Revolutionary War, and five of them, they fought and died in the Revolutionary War. But it was these men who were willing to put their lives and their fortunes and their honor on the line to create what we enjoy today as a free nation. And see, any nation, the greatness of a nation is revealed by what they're willing to stand and fight for. We live in a great nation. It's not perfect. If you're, sorry, not in my notes, but if you're sitting there, well, this is going wrong, this is going wrong, stop it. Be grateful for what we have. Honor what we have. Don't just set off fireworks. Take some time to be grateful for this nation in which you live, this free nation. Now let's personalize this a little bit because no matter what opportunities you have, you too are going to face obstacles. There are moments in our life where there are opportunities that they're there, they're ripe, they're ready, and yet oftentimes we do not step into them because of the obstacles that stand in our way. Let me, let me illustrate. Hey, Chad Webb, could I borrow you? Come here, Chad. Hey, Judy Davidson, would you mind coming up here? <laughs> Don't worry, you won't talk or anything. Just come on up. So, come here, Chad. Wow, you guys are like even color coordinated. Look at that, you and Judy. Okay, so this is the obstacle. Look at me, Chad. And this is how an obstacle presents itself. There's not too many, I think he's probably the only guy in this room that's taller than me that can look down at me, okay? And so the obstacle gets in your face and looks down at you and says, I'm bigger than you. I'm badder than you. You can't come up against me. Has anybody ever felt that? An obstacle looking you in the eye, Jacoby, and saying, you can't handle me. And so that's what the obstacle does. It stands here and, and it intimidates you. And then you have an opportunity. Good morning, Judy. She, she might scold me later for asking her to do this. Keep facing that way, Chad. Come on over here. And if you could just stand right here. I see the obstacle, but I can't see the opportunity. I see it, I, but all I see is this. Looking me in the eye, going nose, to, nose with me and trying to intimidate me. So how in the world, God, how in the world am I supposed to break through to the opportunity? How am I supposed to see what's on the other side of this obstacle? Well, I can't see it with my physical eyes. 
I've got to see it with eyes of faith. And that's the difference between if you're going to step into your opportunities or if you're going to come face to face with the obstacle, be intimidated, cower, back up, and then say, no, I can't handle it. I just got to walk away. There might be an opportunity over there, but I, I just, I can't see it. But if you will see with eyes of faith, you can like Superman right through him. See the opportunity on the other side. Don't move. Now here's the thing about the opportunity. It looks cute and small and quaint, just like Miss Judy. But what you don't know about Miss Judy is she's a fire ha firecracker that she will storm the gates of hell with a water pistol because she's got God on the inside of her. And nothing is in this world, in this physical, you can see with your eyes world, is going to intimidate her. So she look, may look nice and sweet and well-dressed and color-coordinated with the obstacle. <laughs> can you all stick around for second service? No. And here's the thing. The opportunity in the beginning, it's always going to look like Judy. It's always going to look small. It's always going to look diminished by the obstacle that you're facing. It's always going to be intimidated, intimidating in size compared to the obstacle. But really that opportunity on the other side, it is larger than life. It is the biggest thing that you could imagine because when you step by faith into the, and you push this out of the way and you step into this, Everything changes. Thank you. But you're not going to get there unless you see it. You're, you're not going to get there because this is about standing for the opportunity. That's what this message is called, standing. So sometimes you got to look that obstacle in the eye. Maybe look that obstacle in the eye. And just say, no, 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 the greater is he that is on the inside of me than he that is in this world. And the obstacle's looking at you saying, well, well, it's not looking good for you. I don't know what you're looking at. And you say, well, you know what Hebrews 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. I see you. I don't see that opportunity, but I'm looking through you to see what God has put in front of me. And so you cannot back up. You cannot back up just because of what you see with your eyes. Look at somebody and say, it's time to see the opportunity. And some of you right now, you're facing some pretty big obstacles. Some pretty big, some real obstacles. Many of you are facing some stuff that nobody else knows about. Maybe nobody outside your family knows about. Many of you are facing some obstacles that other people, other people think they know what you're going through, but they don't know the half of it. Regardless, God says, you can look through that obstacle and you can see the opportunity. Now, let's, let's put a little scripture on this. Let's, let's tell a story out of Daniel chapter 3. And it's a story many of you may be familiar with. You don't even have to grow up in church. There was these three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and uh, Abednego. There you go. It's spelled really funky, but I've said it, Abednego since I was a kid. So if anybody tells me to say it any differently, I'm not going to change it. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so there was this King Nebuchadnezzar. He built this idol of himself, this golden image. And he told everybody in his, in his uh, nation that you have to bow down when the, the thing's chime. You got to bow down. Everybody's got to bow down. If you don't bow down, you're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. Well, wouldn't you know, these three Hebrew boys, they honored God, the one true God. And so he did this thing. Everybody bowed down. They didn't bow down. They got found out. And so the king takes them. He heats. He's ticked off. Not just in a fiery furnace. He heats it seven times hotter. And he throws these three boys into the fiery furnace. And most of us know the rest of the story because he threw them in. And then all of a sudden, those three boys were walking around in this fire that literally when the men threw them into the furnace, the men that threw them in died because of the heat. But these three boys were walking around. And inside there with them, there was a fourth that looked like the Son of God. And Daniel 3.30 says this, the last verse of this story, because sometimes it's fun to, to read the end before the beginning, right? Daniel 3.30 says, Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. Now, how many like to be promoted? Just to raise of hands. How many like promotion in your life? Your finances, your family, your relationships, your, your ministry opportunities. Um, we all like promotion. That word promotion means this. Let me get it right. It means, there you go, to advance in station, rank, or honor, to raise. How many want some of that in your life? right? We all want that. We want promotion. We want to be elevated. We want to be raised up. We like it when people honor us. If your boss says, I've got a big promotion for you, are you going to look at him and say, ah, it's okay. I don't want it. No, you're going to say, all right, show me the money. But what we miss in this story is that before they were promoted, they had to go through a fire. Before they were promoted, they had to face some obstacles so that they could step into the opportunity of a lifetime. Literally, they were positioned to change an entire nation, but they had to go through the fire. Look at somebody and just say, you might have to go through the fire. Some of you didn't participate. Come on, look at somebody and say, you might have to go through the fire. Daniel 3, verse 16, backing up into this story now. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able. Everybody say able. He's able to save us. He will rescue. Do you hear the certainty in the way they're speaking? He is able, he will. He is able, he will. There is no wavering in their faith. He is able, he will rescue us from your power, your majesty, still being respectful. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Even if he doesn't, those may be some of the most powerful words in all of Scripture. And there are words that a lot of Christians and preachers, especially faith-believing, abundant life-believing Christians like us, don't like to talk about. 
Because those boys, they had to get to a place where they were going to trust God regardless of how it played out. He's able, he will, but even if he doesn't. They had to get to a place where even if God didn't work it out the way they wanted him to work it out, when they want him to work it out, that they still were going to trust God. They had to get to a place that rather than desiring their own comfort and their own perfect little scenario of what they had planned out, like, you know how you do that, right? Because we play out on our mind. I'm going to pray, and then God's going to do this and that, and then he's going to get all the glory. It's going to be an awesome testimony. I'm going to stand up there on that stage right there, and I'm going to testify to the goodness of God. And then it doesn't happen. And see, we have to get to the place where we're going to trust God, where we're going to give God glory, even if it doesn't work out. I've been with many families when a loved one is sick and the reports are not looking good. I've been with many families navigating circumstances that are not what they wanted to be in and the reports aren't looking very good. And of all the scriptures in the Bible, this is the one that I quote most often when I'm in those circumstances. Because I can look them in the eye and say, God can and he will heal your family. He will heal your loved one. He can. He's able. He will. But even if he doesn't, he's still God. Even if he doesn't do what we want and even what the scriptures say he is able to do, even if he doesn't, he's still God. Because here's the thing, and this is going to help some people. To acknowledge your circumstances does not diminish your faith. You can acknowledge your circumstances, and it is not wavering. It is not backing up in your faith. Because here's the thing. We live in a fallen world. That, that means sin entered the world. Adam and Eve you know, ate the, the apple, and bam, all after that, right? Because we live in a fallen world, unfortunately, bad things will happen to good people. God does not desire for bad things to happen to you, but because of our free will, our choice, sin entered the world, death, sickness, disease entered the world. And therefore, bad things will happen to good people. Therefore, God's will will not be perfectly fulfilled in this life, in your life, every single time. When you get to heaven, bam, new body, new world, new heaven, new earth, then it's perfection. But in the meantime, we can know in a circumstance that God can, he is able, that he will rescue us. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, even, everybody say it out loud, even if he doesn't, he's still God. And we can trust him. You know, there's another verse. I'm not hanging all this theology on, on one verse. Look at uh, James. You know, James, the brother of Jesus, wrote these words. I think he knew a little bit about trials, about obstacles, about facing difficult times. In verse 2, it says, consider it <laughs> pure joy. Now, you don't have to raise your hand here, but has anybody ever wanted to cuss when you read that verse? Seriously, God? Pure joy? Really? Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Not even just one trial, but many kinds. Because, 
because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that, everybody say, so that. So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking. What's it say? Not lacking. Not lacking anything. See, the principle is this. Before God promotes us, there is often a fiery obstacle that we must go through. Here's the thing. Some of the best things in your life are going to happen right after the worst things. Just a quick survey. How many of you have experienced some of the best things in your life happening after the worst things? Would you just raise your hand? Oh, my. Oh, my. It's almost like, the, wait, just look around. Keep your hand up. It's almost like the, the preacher knows what he's talking about, that he's preaching the Bible, that your life is not going to be perfect. Could, listen, could you do me a favor and stop calling the preacher acting shocked when bad stuff happens in your life? You can still call me. I love you. I love you. I'm, just, I'm trying to make a point, though. I'm exaggerating a little bit. Because Jesus himself said, you will have trials in this life. But then it goes on and says, but take heart. Because I have overcome the world. First John, it says, greater is he who is on the inside of you than he that is, on the, than he that is in this world. See, you're going to have trials. You're going to have difficulties. Bad stuff is going to happen, but you've got a confidence. You've got a hope. You've got a, a promise from God that, you know what? You're going to come through it. As long as, as long as you don't look the obstacle in the eye, cower in fear and intimidation, and then run in the other direction. But if you will stand, everybody say stand. But if you will stand in the face of that obstacle, in the face of that opposition, and say, no, 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 no. I'm going to obstacle, I'm going to consider you pure joy. Some of you need to talk to your obstacles because you've been sitting there letting the obstacle do all the talking, and you're starting to believe some of that junk that it's thrown in your face. All those thoughts you've been rehearsing in your mind, you're starting to believe some of that junk. You need to talk to your obstacle. Say, obstacle, I consider you pure joy. Obstacle, I'm going to persevere through you, and on the other side of this, I'm going to be stronger than when I came into it. Obstacle, greater is he that is on the inside of me. Hey, guess what, obstacle? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, you thought you killed Jesus on the cross and shoved him in a tomb, but the same power that raised him up out of the grave and conquered death, hell, and the grave, that power's on the inside of me. Get out of my face. And that's when the obstacle just has to go by and you see the opportunity all of a sudden. Do not be intimidated. Your obstacle has no power over you unless you give it to it. I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> Staring at the most powerful men on the planet at the time. They were respectful. Your majesty. Your majesty. You're the king of this earth, in this world. But your majesty, we're not going to bow down and worship your God. 
because we serve a greater king. We serve a higher authority. And see, some of you, the, the obstacles have become so overwhelming and you've had that wrong talk going in your mind so much that you're starting to believe that it's bigger and stronger and better than you are. But I got news for you. Jesus is on the inside of you. And he's already been conquered. He's already been defeated. So you don't have to back up. You can stand up. Look at somebody say, it's time to stand up. So let's read a few more verses here. Verse 26, Daniel 3, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fire, the burning fiery furnace, and spoke, saying, <laughs> listen to how his tune has changed, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Because you're walking around in a fire that killed the guys that threw you in there, and you're walking around in there. Hey, guys, servants of the Most High God, come out here. Come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abendo came from the midst of the fire. Look at somebody around you right now and say, you're getting ready to walk out of that fire. And the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. So they were thrown into the fire, bound up, and they came out unbound. Let me ask you a question. What obstacle, what hindrance has been binding you up? Come here, Chris, stand up here. So you go, it's funny, last time I used you as an illustration, you were bound up in chains on stage. Yeah, so cross your arms. See, see we get bound up, and, and they were bound up when they were thrown into the fire. And then... They got thrown into the fire and they came out free. They came out free. And see, you think you're going into the obstacle and, and you think the obstacle is going to reveal your weakness, your, your, uh, you don't have any power in your life. But really what the obstacle can do is free you to live into the greatness that God's put on the inside of you. See, you aren't gonna stay bound, you can sit down. Maybe, maybe, I'm not saying God created the obstacle. How many of you know that sometimes we create our own obstacles? That's a whole different sermon, right? <laughs> that there's consequences to action. Sometimes we create our own mess. But maybe, because see what the devil intends for evil, God intends for good. I don't care if you put yourself in that mess, if someone else puts you in that mess, or if you think the devil is out to get me and he puts you in that mess, usually not the case, but... I don't care how you got in the mess, what the devil intends for evil, God intends for good. God can bring good out of your circumstances. So maybe the things that have been binding you up, you're gonna go into the fire and it's not gonna destroy and reveal your weakness, but it's going to set you free. Because when you're bound up over here before the fire, you have a, why am I saying you? We, <laughs> have a way of relying on our own strength and ability and power. And when our own power is bound up and we're caged up, we think we're powerless. And God says, no, 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 it's not even about you anyways. I'm going to throw you into the fire. You're going to go into that fire obstacle. You're going to get set free. You may, you may be in that fire so that someone watching you 
can realize that the fire has no power over the children of God. So that obstacles that confront us and try to destroy us and take us out, they can realize that, nope, that fire doesn't have any power over me. So they went in bound up. They came out unbound. They went in the fire facing death, and they came out unharmed. And then they went in the fire because they would not conform to the world, but they came out unaffected by the attack, not even in the slightest. That's like got to be one of my favorite verses that they came out and they didn't even smell like smoke. Like literally, the devil's looking you in the eye, staring you in the face saying, listen, child of God, I'm going to destroy you. And you can have the confidence to say, devil, you can try to destroy me, but I'm not even going to have to take a shower after this thing. Didn't even smell like smoke. That, that stuff you're trying to put on me will not have an effect on me. Zero effect. Because the one that's in me is greater than the obstacle that I'm facing. But again, you've got to stand. Not like this, like knees locked, like if the obstacle pushes you, you're going to fall over. Like you got to get a little stance, right? Like you're ready to put a shoulder into that. You're ready to, uh, you got to take a stand against the obstacle. And then that's where God can do some of his best work. He can take you from that worst moment of your life to the best moment of your life when you look through that obstacle. But that's not all that happened. They came out unharmed, unharmed, unaffected, unbound, but they also came out with a testimony. Uh, verse 28, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who, could y'all read those next verses that are up there? Who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, if any people, if any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn, not even thrown in a fiery furnace. I mean, that'd be quick and pain. Okay, quick death, not painless. Quick death. But now they're going to be torn limb from limb. And their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. And there is, there is no God who can rescue like this. Because they were willing to stand, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> Come on, you, give me a break here. It's the God, their God, because they were willing to stand, their God became the God of an entire nation. Because they were willing to stand, their God became the God of an entire nation. Rico, here, stand up. Because, now see, you just think it's you, that no one's affected by you. But what if every single one of us in this room got a recognition that because you take a stand, because you look beyond the obstacle and you look with eyes of faith to the opportunity that God's placing ahead of you, because you stand, your God becomes the God of many other people. 
Because you stand, a nation could be affected. I, I, I didn't just ask you, Rico. Because you stand, many, thousands of lives are going to be affected because you stand. They're watching you. You don't think they're watching. You, you don't think they're paying attention, but they're watching. And because you stand, many lives are going to be affected. I could say the same thing to every single one of you in this room. What is God asking you to stand for? What's the stand he's asking you to take? Because if you'll stand, lives will be changed. Your life, for sure. You'll save your life. But then God might do something for an entire nation. Now, here's the thing. People have given up greater opportunities for far lesser obstacles than, than what you're facing right now. I mean, have you noticed how easily and quickly people give up? I mean, it's normal. I mean, literally, an entire nation bowed down to the God. How many people stood up? Three. And so if, if you look the obstacle in the eye and no, it's too tough, and you walk away, nobody's going to fault you. I mean, it's life. Life's tough. Things happen. I mean, hey, that was a tough obstacle. You know, I, I understand. Nobody's going to fault you. But also, you know what? Nobody's going to tell that story. Nobody's going to have a testimony out of that. Lives, generations, nations are not going to be changed because of how you stood. Nobody wants to hear about the guy that got defeated by the big bad obstacle. What do they want to hear? I want to hear the underdog. I want to hear the underestimated. I want to hear the one that was, the odds were stacked against them. And they came against the odds stacked against them. They looked it in the eye and they overcame it anyway. You have to choose. Are, are you going to have a testimony to tell of the greatness, of the goodness, of the glory of God? And guess what? It doesn't have to work out the way you want it to, to have that testimony. Because what did we say? Even if he doesn't. Listen, what we don't often realize is sometimes that testimony, when it doesn't work out the way we want it to, it is the impact of that testimony. When it doesn't work out like we want to, and we stand in the face of that obstacle, and we say, even if he doesn't, he's still God. It didn't work. Nope, nope. It didn't work out like... How many of you were here and you heard Jana Ard's testimony? And we stood and we, I, I shared this verse with her many times in that hospital room as we were believing for John's healing. And we said, God can, he is able, he will. He will heal. But it didn't happen. But how many of you have had your faith challenged by a woman who lost her 38-year-old husband to leukemia and has two young girls and she has stood in a position and said, even if he doesn't, he's still God. So don't think you have a testimony only if it works out like their story worked out. Because sometimes when it doesn't work out the way you want it to, the way we're believing, that testimony amplifies the impact. Let me give you a couple verses here. Because I, I don't want to just stir you and inspire you, which hopefully I'm going to do an okay job of that, that you realize that the obstacle ain't got nothing on you, that you can look it in the eye, that you can push it out of the way, no matter how intimidating it seems, you can see through eyes of faith, through the obstacle, to the opportunity. 
But some of you are here and you're saying, I, I hear you, Pastor Mark. I've been standing. But it's hard. It's hard. I don't know if I can stand much longer. And I get it. That's real. And that's why these next verses I'm going to read, this is what you need to hang your hat on walking away from this message. In Romans 5, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace. How many want peace, right? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith. Everybody say, by faith. No, 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 no. Listen, this can change your life if you get this. Everybody say, by faith. By faith into this grace in which we now stand. I'm telling you to see with eyes of faith through the obstacle to the opportunity. By faith. But where do we stand? Do we stand in faith? We stand by faith in grace. In grace. Let me read the rest of that because it's pretty good. In grace and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in, daggone it, it's like a theme in the Bible. We glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint. Now, hope does not disappoint. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Listen, there's a power in you that you haven't tapped into yet. And sometimes, if you don't go through the fiery obstacle, if you don't go through the trial, you're never going to know it's there. Like, sure, I can stand up here and preach it and tell you it's there, but until you have to use it, till you have to exercise that power, tap into something that's not of you, that's from another world, that you've got to trust in God more than what you see, until you use that power, you're never going to believe it's there. And so until you have that obstacle, until you have to access by faith and step into grace in Jesus Christ, then you can stand and you can look that obstacle in the eye. And maybe you'll take some knocks. Maybe you'll take some hits. Maybe you'll get knocked down. Maybe you'll get tired and weary. And even though you want to stand, you kind of walk away shaking your head, and you're thinking, man, I thought God had me. I thought, I thought, I thought we were going to win that one. And you walk away. Maybe all those things will happen. But you can still choose. Gary, you can still choose to turn yourself around and to walk right back up and say, no, 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 God did not create me for defeat. I mean, come on, Jesus, the original underdog, right? He was underestimated. He was outnumbered. He was, even his best friends didn't think he was going to come through on what he said he was going to do. But Jesus stood in the face of that obstacle called the cross and said, I will not waver on my purpose because God created me. I was birthed into this world for such a moment as this with purpose and destiny on my life. Jesus came to redeem the world. And we're here because he looked an obstacle in the eye and wouldn't back down. That's the same power that you have. 
And so I want to tell you, if you're weary, don't give up. You've got to shift yourself from standing just in faith to standing by faith in grace. Because grace is God's enabling enabling power inside of you, able to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. You can't do it, but grace can. So you've got to position yourself in grace. Now, can I end just real practical here? How do you position yourself in grace? You've got to get where you know how to turn on the spigot and just like, all right, I'm a little weary. I'm a little beat down right now. I'm just going to turn on the spigot and let grace pour over me. I I need some strength. I'm just going to turn on the spigot. So how do you turn that on? How do you turn on grace in your life? Well, there's really practical things. Guess what? Your local church is a means of God's grace in your life. Your church, how many of you ever come in feeling broke down, beat down, weary, but you came in and you got a little something that you didn't have before you walked in, right? So whether it's this worship team, the presence of God, a greeter at the door, the kids getting taken care of in children's ministry, whatever it is, this place is a means of God's grace being poured into your life. You've got to stay connected. You've got to stay planted. Guess what? This summer, it's summer. Get some time, but don't get disconnected from the house because this is where you get grace. Listen, if you're right now and like you don't attend church for another month and you come back, man, I feel beat down and weary and my marriage isn't going good and I keep snapping at the kids and I'm telling you how to avoid that. Stay connected to God's grace. And this is a means. What's another means? Community, friends who are like-minded, who are kingdom-minded. Get around the right people because when you get around the right people, they are a means of God's grace into your life. Now, the opposite of that's true as well, isn't it? Because if you're facing an obstacle and you get around the wrong people, they could be the reason that obstacle destroys you instead of being the launching pad to the greatest opportunity you've ever faced, uh, ever had. You've got to get around the right people. We've got uh, summer connect groups are coming back um, this week, we were, took a week off for night of worship, but we're back this week. So Wednesday nights, we've got a parenting class. We've got, which by the way, some of you, like you just need to get in that parenting class. There are signups out there. Amazing, amazing, amazing content that will totally revolutionize your parenting and your relationship with your kids. You need to get into that. We've got a marriage class, Jacobin and Lethe are teaching. We've got some fun stuff just to hang out with people with balloon twisting and some basketball. That's on Wednesday night. And then Josh and Sarah right here. Stand up, Sarah, wave at everybody. You can too, Josh. Um, Sarah's leading a mom's meetup group on Thursdays at 10 a.m. Just moms getting together with their kids to have fun. Josh is doing a men's uh, business leaders breakfast. Listen, these are the right kind of people you need to get around. They will be a means of God's grace to you maybe when you're in a low time. And then you've got other things that you, guess what a means of God's grace is? Anybody ever read this? It is living and active. The word of God is alive. You've got to read your Bible. Get on version and get a, a Bible app plan and it'll remind you every day. Read some Bible. It'll give you a plan if you want to do that. But you've got to read your Bible. You've got to pray. You've got to. You, you've got to commune and converse with God. Ask and receive from him. It positions you to receive his grace. When you get in a posture of prayer, you're saying, all right, God, I'm giving you my undivided attention. I'm ready to receive. I'm ready to commune with you. I'm ready to converse with you. But you've got to position yourself. If you only pray over your food, your prayer life is not positioning you enough for God's grace. 
You've got to worship God more than just on Sunday mornings. I mean, I don't have to ask if you feel that this worship environment that we create here is a means of God's grace in your life. I know it is. But you can't just do that on Sundays and one Wednesday night a month. No, no, no. You've got to cre- you can turn on some worship music in your car and create an atmosphere of worship right there in that car and get God's presence. And it's all so much fun when you close your eyes at the stoplight and then you open them up and you look over and people are staring at you like you're crazy. Everybody should have that moment at least once. Come on. Some of you need it on a regular basis. You've got to get yourself in a position to receive his grace. And here's the thing. You've got to create habits in all these things so that you make sure you're standing in grace instead of willpower and determination. Because I know that's what this could look like, right? When I'm standing in the eye and I'm gritting my teeth and I'm getting a posture, that looks like me. But no, 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 no. If I want that to work, all that's got to be backed up by I'm standing, my feet are planted in grace. I am getting in a full stream like a fire hydrant of God's grace. And listen, the greater your obstacle, the more grace you need. Flips me out when people have junk go on in their life and they get out of church. I'm like, what are you doing? Get yourself in church. You need more grace, not less. You need more word. You need more worship. You need more prayer. You might even drop some fasting in there. You got to position yourself to receive from God. And so here's my challenge for you. What is one means of God's grace that you need to be more intentional about? Maybe it's one of those things that I just rattled off. There's, there's plenty more. Do you know God's creation can be a means of his grace? Because some of you are going to get some time off this summer. You might get on some water or go away to Gatlinburg, whatever it is. Do you know that the beauty of God's creation can be a means of his grace to remind you that, wow, he's big. He's God, and I'm not. So what do you need to be, which means of grace do you need to be more intentional? Because I can pump you up and inspire you and get you believing this, but if you don't create habits that back it up, that turn on the spigot of his grace, that strengthen you to look that obstacle in the eye and see with eyes of faith and walk through it, it's not going to stick. I don't want you to need Sunday mornings to stand. You've got to do it yourself. Look at somebody that says, time to do some work. The work of getting in God's grace, it takes some intentionality.